Hey, I'm Sam. And I'm Lizzie. And we're queer people who love movies. This is Subtextual. Hi, Lizzie. Hi, Sam. How are you? I'm great. I just took a big fat shot of tequila and it's warming my system up. How are you? I'm doing good. We're in Zoomland again. and Zoomland. It's raining like crazy. Zoomlander. <laughs> Zoomlander. Oh, my God. COVID would produce a fucking movie like Zoomlander. Oh my God. Uh, I'm pretty sure Bo Burnham's inside is basically Zoomlander. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so we're we're inside. We're not together because uh, of COVID. But it's like you're right here with me. I took a shot with you. You might as well be next to me at this point. You might as well. Yeah, I might as well just be breathing all over you. Yeah, so... This is a surprise episode, so I will give you a hint, and then if you can't get it, I'll give you another hint. Okay. I love, oh, I love surprises. Okay. The subject matter is not incredibly far from my last episode. Okay. Your last episode was She's the Man, which is soccer. Bend it like Beckham. You son of a bitch, dude. Is it fucking bend it like Beckham? I don't think I've ever guessed yours right, (laughs) and you've guessed mine right with like, Two seconds. Why am I so good at this? It really is. Like, I've always been good at this. I'm looking around to see. I have whiteboards in my office. I'm like, did I write it somewhere? Like, it was also a really good hint. You really gave me a good, fat, juicy hint. Uh, I need to give you worse hints from now on. I almost feel kind of lame. Oh, my God. Wow. Bend it like Beckham. Yeah, I feel like this is definitely in the same category as She's the Man. And I'm really excited to talk about this movie. Lizzie, what comes to mind when you think of Bend It Like Beckham? You know, I was a soccer player in middle school, which is, I think, when this movie came out for me. And this wasn't one that I regularly watched, but it's definitely one that I think is seared into my personality just as much as She's the Man, because these female sport movies, in particular soccer movies and dance movies, made me so unbelievably giddy as a child and the type of giddiness that I connect directly to things like disco and like pride month like this movie I haven't seen it honestly I don't really remember the plot and I'm excited for you to go over it because you know how to present movies to me in a way that tickles me to no end but I just remember like lots of like skinny fit girls lots of montages of them like running around and doing really wild tricks and maybe like some disapproving family members. This movie, I respect this movie, the f- despite the fact that I really don't remember what happens. So let's go. I'm ready. No, you you hit on a lot of key ingredients in the mix there. I think that when we were talking about She's the Man, we mentioned that we like lived in this cute little bubble of gender swap mm-hmm. movies that we thought yeah. were going to continue yeah. for the rest of our lives. But it, the same could be said for like, dance movies as well as like um sports movies like yeah I feel like teenagers now are watching movies where like people get murdered through snapchat like I don't see yeah or like drug movies like euphoria and stuff where they're doing like wild party drugs and I'm sure I'm generalizing I'm sure there's like equivalents to this that I'm just not aware of but like mainstream wise I don't see movies like this that often like being produced right now and So it's really fun to go back and watch these movies and like be nostalgic about them. Yeah. And I think that it's kind of like because they're they ended up being so exclusive and rare, they kind of all of these movies kind of have an iconic uh, like reputation behind them. Like Bending Like Beckham is an iconic film. I think everyone all of my friends at least will recognize as like, oh, whenever Bend It Like Beckham comes up in a conversation, which is relatively often, everyone <laughs> kind of gives like that nod of like, oh yeah, that's a film. Yeah. What a film. Like nothing's really come close to it. And also speaking as a bisexual woman, Kiera Knightley is like the cornerstone of bisexuality for me. Like she 
toes the line of having a really feminine and a really masculine look that I've only seen replicated by Timothée Chalamet. Like she plucks all the strings that I like about women and all the strings that I find attractive in men as well. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. I know what you mean. There's there's so many photos in this film that I'll, I'm going to show you of Kira Knightley yes. that, that have been a yes. sustained influence on like gay culture, lesbian specifically, but also she does, she has this like duality where she's very like feminine, very wispy and and very like electric, but while looking like Leonardo DiCaprio. So it's like, it's so hot and like, so hot. Everyone in this movie is hot again. And like, I'm, I'm doing Bend It Like Beckham right after She's the Man selfishly, because I was telling some of my friends I was doing She's the Man and they got so excited. Like, as excited as I get to do any of these episodes. So like, I also feel like, you know what? Why not follow She's the Man with Benda like Beckham? It seems only appropriate. No, I think we're already in that mindset. Like I I went back and watched She's the Man the other day with my partner and we had so much fun and giggled so much at the entire film. And I feel like I've just been walking around all week kind of living in this like fun little fantasy from my high school days. And I just love it. Let's go like... Playing soccer was like such a fun and like gay time of my life. You know, what other time do you get to like run around dressed like a boy, like slamming into other girls and like kicking each other? Like it's, it's, it's erotic, like whatever. It gets your blood pumping. I love those days. And let's go back. Let's take me back, Sam. Let's jump right in. Yeah. You've really <laughs> set like a very good like vibe and platform for the for this movie. So I'll talk a little bit about the production because I find it super interesting. And then we'll move right on into the plot. But this movie came out in 2002. So preceded She's the Man. Um, written and directed by Gorinda Chadha. So a woman and an Indian woman. Um, Fuck yeah. I didn't know that. That didn't register to me as a child. So really interesting. I didn't know anything about Gurinda Chadha before I started researching this film. And I honestly have hadn't seen this film until yesterday. I thought I had watched it before because of how much it permeates gay culture. Like, mm-hmm. But when I sat down and, and started it, I was like, holy shit, I've never seen this. Wow. That's like the beauty of film is that like, I went my whole life without seeing Jaws until like a week ago, but I know exactly the vibe of that film. But there's also something different about watching it later in life because like you yourself have like all the iconography of Bennett like Beckham that's instilled in you from like being a gay woman and incorporating yourself in gay culture. But getting to watch it with like the lens of someone who actually knows how to like understand their feelings about themselves, like you're kind of like... It's kind of nice to find people who somehow miss those films. Like, I feel like one day I'm going to watch The Godfather and be like, oh, my God, this is the greatest movie on earth. <laughs> yeah. You know it, I mean, you're pure. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's you know, how people say, like, I would sell my soul to, like, listen to this album again or watch, or read this book yeah. for the first time. It It's like a time capsule, right? Like, yeah. you you get to, like open up this little present. It's, you know, when you save something for yourself, like to appreciate it in a way that you really um, can take it all in. That's what it felt like experiencing this movie for the first time in 2022 when it was released in 20 years ago in 2002. And happy anniversary. I know the 20 year anniversary. Um, But yeah, like when I was looking into the production of this film, I uh, started researching the director, Gurinda Chadha and this woman has such an interesting life. Like her career started and she was a reporter for BBC, like a news reporter, like a journalist. And um, she went on to direct like several award-winning documentaries for the BBC. And then she went on to create like um, an alliance with the British Film Institute and Channel 4, like an industry giant before even directing her first narrative feature. So in 2002, she started her own production company, Bendit Films, which I think is so cute. That's hilarious. And then she quickly like released uh, this feature, which is what she's most known for. She she has like a few other movies that are beloved in their own right. But um, I think the next most popular movie she's known for is... Angus Thongs and the Perfect Snogging. Are you familiar with that? Uh, yeah, it is, I am familiar. I've never seen it, but I am familiar with that movie. Yeah, so that came out like a few years after this, and um, she's still working now and, and creating some really great stuff. But I just thought like her career was just such an interesting tra- 
excuse me, such an interesting trajectory because typically we don't see mainstream directors follow that kind of route to get where they are. So a, there's a rumor floating around that has not been confirmed by her that the original script actually ended with Kira Knightley and Parminda Nagra ending up together. So oh. Jules and Jess living happily ever after was supposed to be the the ending that they originally imagined. So this Fuck. can help. I know, right? And and no one's confirmed this. Like uh Garinda hasn't confirmed it. Kira Knightley has been asked about this and she said that the only version of the script she's ever read was the one that made it to the final cut, like the final yeah. script. But I mean it's kind of like that thing Honestly, if anything has ever rumored to be queer in the slightest, it was definitely queer, period. Because for those rumors to get started and then shushed, that's like the definition of queerness, for it to be like pushed under the rug by heterosexual society. And, you know, I do believe that if there was a copy of the script that had that ending, that in development, any of the production companies that would have had a hand in in funding this would have wanted to make it as mainstream and sellable as possible. And what isn't sellable? Women kissing, even though they get my money all the time. Yeah, you're exactly onto something. So while I was researching this film, there was still a law in England called Section 28 that was a ban against the promotion of homosexuality to children. Oh. So so it was... Right, so to a young adult audience, it was unacceptable. Yeah, it was like a no-go, which would have been a difficulty because obviously these are teenage characters. So that was in place the year that this was produced and released. So a friend of Gorinda Chadha said to After Ellen that Chadha planned to have a lesbian main plot, but chickened out at the last minute for fear of offending and upsetting Indian audiences. Is she gay, the director? Okay, so that hasn't been confirmed either. Um, She doesn't identify as a lesbian woman. I think she might be married to a man. But when Keira Knightley was told about this rumor, she told Gay Times, fuck yeah, that would have been amazing. I think they should have ended up together. I think that would have been great. We need a sequel. Let's go. Hold on. We need to email Gorinda and be like, girl, 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 now's the time. There is nothing that we want to see more than women playing soccer and kissing. Nothing, period. That's what the world needs. Yeah. If if the if this pandemic has taught us nothing, it's that there is an audience for anything and there's yes. a huge audience for this sequel. I would love nothing more than to see that happen. Absolutely. Also, like I've been talking to people in my life and apparently everybody watched this in school. Really? Like yeah. aftercare or something? Like in PE, like huh. pe- people were shown this film like a lot. And I know that people in like the UK watch this film a lot in school as well. So it's like, I think there was a lot of powers at play that probably held this back from being as gay as it could have been. And like I said, it's just a rumor. So like, I'm not, I'm not saying that it's Bible, but I mean, if it seems that gay, like probably gay. I guess we'll find out as we go through the plot, won't we? Because I'm sure whispers of that storyline are in this film because I remember it being pretty gay. Yeah. I mean, like it was on our subtextual watch list for a reason. (laughs) We'll jump into the plot and we'll see, we'll see the sprinkle and the crumbs of gayness all the way through this movie. So uh, we start uh, in a fantasy scene where we see Jess Barma, who's played by Parminda Nagra, uh, who is just a stunning actress. Akira Knightley gets stunning. so many snaps for her roles in this, but like the the facial expressions and just the acting that's done uh, by Parminda Nagra is just like chef's kiss, so fucking good. So she's our main character, Jess, and we start with like a fantasy scene where she's playing soccer with David Beckham, like she's on the oh Manchester United team. <laughs> Yes. It's so cute. It's so sweet. And it's like immediately interrupted by her mother. So we get this like hard flash of reality where her mom is like, you need to stop dreaming of soccer and you need to come downstairs and you you need to help your sister get ready for her wedding. There's always a wedding. I know. So we're seeing that she's a man like do out like similarities in this where like she doesn't want to be a girl. She doesn't want to wear dresses. She doesn't give a shit about weddings. She just wants to play soccer. It's also like Iggy Threadgood in the very beginning of Fried Green Tomatoes. Like they have the same trope of like, come on, little sister, you have to, you know, shape up and put your feminine pants on 
for your older sister's wedding and like, don't you mess this up with your masculine and tomboyish tendencies, you know? Exactly. It's like out of the box, like gay shit. So downstairs we meet uh, Jess's sister, Pinky, who's played by Archie Punjabi. Does that name ring a bell to you, Elizabeth? A little bit. What a great name, Archie Punjabi. Can I look up a picture of her? Uh, Wait, I have a photo for you. <laughs> Before you do that. Wait, I know what you need. Uh, Archie Punjabi is a stunning actress. She's quite young in this film. And she's known now more for her television career. So I'm just going to send you a photo. Why don't you sit right there? I'm dying. I just have a hunch that you'll recognize her. (gasps) Why you can't be hitting me with pictures of Gillian Anderson just out of the blue? I'm flustered. Can you tell us what you're seeing right now? I'm seeing like one of the hottest scenes in the fall, which is saying something because there's lots of scenes of Gillian Anderson in a pool. But this is like, um, this is like the character that Stella Gibson had like a pretty hot and heavy romance with. God, she is stunning. The Fall is a BBC limited series starring Gillian Anderson, who is Lizzie's like absolute like crush of all time. I'm pretty sure. Can you open your phone? Is she your motherfucking wallpaper? She is. Yeah, I thought so. Okay, great. <laughs> She's also my desktop background. As I was watching Bennett like Beckham, I saw Pinky and I was like, there's no way in goddamn hell. And so I searched <laughs> and sure enough, it's like the it's like Lizzie Kryptonite, like anything Gillian Anderson. And then I don't want to spoil any part of the fall. You should definitely watch it and you should definitely appreciate Archie in that series as well. But um for what you need to know about her, she plays Pinky in Bend It Like Beckham, and she is Jess's older sister who is getting married and is like obsessed with boys and she's obsessed with her wedding. And obviously Jess cannot relate to this whatsoever. I, I want to commend, because Gurinda Chadha, who directed this film, also wrote it. And I really want to commend the writing in these characters because they're all so complex and they're, it would have been so easy for her to write Pinky as this like void, shallow person obsessed with weddings. But what she did was she had Pinky be so many different things. And, and also like what Pinky really is, is I hate to keep saying foil, but she's a foil to Jess in that mm-hmm. she's she's completely interested in totally different things, but she's so like passionately concerned with keeping Jess safe. And, um, she is like a little hero in this movie and she, uh, not to spoil anything, but she's just great. Yeah. Like just because she thinks differently than the main character doesn't have to make her like an antagonist basically. Exactly. Just life. Like your family members drive you crazy, but at the end of the day, they are your family and they probably have really good qualities too. That's realistic. Yeah. It's very human the way that Pinky's written. So go Pinky, go Pinky, go Archie. We go are Stella obsessed. Gibson. She's involved in this as well, as far as I'm concerned. I'm sure that the two listeners <laughs> who have ever seen The Fall are really appreciated of the Stella Gibson reference. Those are the people I'm doing this all for. Yeah. So across town, we meet Jules, who's played by Kira Knightley, and she's bra shopping with her mother. And her mom is. Very in the style of, I'm obsessed with you wearing dresses. I'm obsessed with you wearing these bras that like will make you attracted to the opposite sex. Like she's really trying to push uh, femininity onto Jules and Jules is like more interested in buying a sports bra. Aww. So there's lots of scenes of that, like peppered in like Jules being like, I don't want to be this feminine, whatever um, throughout this movie. And I won't touch on them because they're, they happen a lot, but. What's like her, like, what's like the feeling behind these interactions when femininity is being thrust upon her? Like, is she like shameful? Is she defiant? Is she ashamed? Like what's the, what's the vibe whenever she's engaged in these kind of situations? Uh, She seems very frustrated, not even frustrated. She's, she's like super annoyed with this implication that she should be concerned with boys in any way. She's got her interests. She's very good at soccer. And that's the only thing she's really concerned about. Love it. That's like a similarity that we see with Jess and that continues on through the movie. And that I think that's where most of the subtext comes from is that they don't really give a shit about guys. So we'll see more of that as we progress through the plot. So back in Jess's room, something also like subtextual happens where she's she's kind of thinking out loud. She's processing her feelings about this wedding and her sister and femininity. And she's talking to this like myriad of David Beckham posters that are like all over her wall. 
And um, she's laying down in bed. She's looking at David Beckham and she's thinking about this wedding. And she goes, I wonder if I get into an arranged marriage, if I'll get paired up with someone who'll let me play soccer whenever I wanted. I know. And it's like kind of this, it's not a throwaway, but it's like a passing line. But I think that to me, that really stuck out when I was like closeted, you know, you almost like have to let yourself be okay with the idea of like marrying men and just doing what everybody else does. And, and when you're making yourself okay with that, you're like, well, maybe he'll be the kind of guy that will let me, you know, ride motorbikes, or maybe he'll be the kind of guy that's not offended by the fact that I rather play sports or, or do these like non-feminine things. Like, I hope he's the kind of guy that just lets me like what I like. Yeah. Yeah, that's really sad in a way, because I think any person in that situation could fill in the blanks with, you know, play soccer could become so many things like go buy a nickname that isn't my real feminine government name or wear the clothes that I want to wear or like have gay friends, you know, and and that's really sad. That makes me sad. But it is like a realistic take and a take you probably don't see very often, like an acceptance of the way things are and just trying to find the best and the hope within them. Like it's like a happy, sad, but mostly a sad. Yeah. Like the line could have been like, Oh, I'm never going to get arranged marriage. That, that would suck. But it's like, I'm okay with it. I just hope that he lets me like what I like. Yeah. It's a much more complex and interesting angle to take that situation. Snaps to the director and the writer for that. Let's go, Gorinda. Dude, she's go, kicking Gorinda. ass. It's only been like the first 10 minutes. So <laughs> they go they go to the park and Jess plays pickup soccer with like a bunch of boys in the park. She's like the only girl. So while she's there, like playing soccer with a bunch of boys, Pinky's friends are on the sideline and they like wave Jess over and they go, Jess, like, who's your friend with the gorgeous bod? And Jess like almost looks like completely confused. And she's like, who? What? And she like looks back at all these men who are like models. <laughs> they have like 17,000 abs. And she goes, who? Like Taz? She like points at like a random guy, <laughs> uh, which I think is just so funny for like a teenage lesbian to be like, he's hot. Like, I okay, yeah. Yeah, him? That's the uh, one that you think is hot? I guess. He's kind of an idiot. I know. They, they all look like Calvin Klein models. And she's like, which one is hot? Excuse me? Okay. Is that really a thing? Because I've dated guys before who anytime I brought up that another man is attractive, not in a way that's like, oh, he's attractive. I'm attracted to him. But just like pointing out qualities and like Leonardo DiCaprio is attractive. Like, in general and they like kind of feign or what I think is like a fake ignorance of what is attractive in their own gender you're a lesbian Mm -hmm. you can tell if men are attractive or not right like absolutely I say on this podcast all the time like (laughs) oh my god this guy is so hot like I'm like you (laughs) know exactly I think our tastes are different I think like everyone's tastes vary across the board but like I think for this character, Jess, I don't think she's feigning that she doesn't recognize that these guys are hot. I think that like one, either she's such a lesbian, it doesn't occur to her or two, which I think this film would like us like to impart with us is that she's so concerned about soccer that she can't even begin to fathom that anyone's right. hot in any yeah, way. Exactly. Or how old is she? Like, are they like early teens, late teens? They've just graduated. They're on their way to graduate high school. So they're about like 17. So she's old enough to know that people are attractive. She's not like 13 or something, 12. Yeah, exactly. So she's playing soccer with all these hot guys and Jules, Kira Knightley, is watching from like afar and she realizes how fucking good Jess is at soccer. So she approaches Jess and she goes like, hey, I'm a part of the soccer team and I think you should really try out. Cool. I love it. So their their first interaction isn't like a meet cute per se, like the sparks aren't super flying, but they get on like super quickly. Yeah. So at soccer tryouts, we meet the coach, Joe, who's played by Jonathan Rise Meyer. Do you know who that is? Yes, I do. He's in um, August Rush. I thought he would be your type. That's why I'm asking. He used to be my type, but I've given up the like skinny musician for something a little more substantial. I've grown out of it. All right. Just checking, <laughs> just 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 seeing what's the vibe there. But uh, Joe is an Irish soccer coach hot. and initially, okay, so you think he's hot. 
I think Irish people in general, the whole country is hot. Did I just have to remind you that he was Irish for you to think he was hot again? Yeah, he is hot. Maybe I'm not quite over it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so Joe is is like super hot in this movie as well. Um, He does the like broody, you know, sensitive boy thing that everybody loves. And um, initially he does not take Jess seriously at all. And he says, I've never seen an Indian girl into football, Hmm. which I don't love that line. I think that like football, if I'm not mistaken, is like the most universally played sport in the fucking galaxy. So it's like, uh, it's weird that you would say that, but I guess fine. I think that's more for the plot because of this Because he's film. a coach of a female soccer team, no? Mm-hmm. Yes. So, okay. I know. I know. There's a lot of things. I mean, it gets worse, okay. but like, that was just weird. I figure There's a lot of microaggressions. plays into this story. I don't remember it, watching it from a middle schooler's perspective, but I can only imagine that being a woman of color in a super like the number one colonizing state in the world playing a men's sport you're probably going to run into some racial tensions yeah so i i guess i didn't mention this because it was super obvious but like jess is the daughter of sikhs she's an indian Mm -hmm. woman and um they're an indian family in britain so race plays a huge deal Mm -hmm. into this film as it should um so jess has a really great job at soccer tryouts. So Joe tells her, like, if your parents are cool with it, you're on the team. So later on at Jules' house, we see her playing soccer outside with her dad. And her mother is upset because she's convinced that her playing soccer is not going to help her get a boyfriend. And she comes outside and she says to Jules' father, when are you going to realize you have a daughter with breasts, not a son? That's like such a thing, though. I know. And we see through this film, like her mom... Because her mom isn't sure that she's interested in boys, she just jumps to this assumption that she's a lesbian. And she goes on to say, no guy is going to want to date a girl with bigger muscles than him. There's a reason why Sporty Spice is the only one of them without a fella. There's also a reason Sporty Spice is the number one hottest Spice girl of all time. Baby Spice be damned. Dude, and she's the only one that can sing. Yeah, exactly. And she's the best dancer. No offense, Victoria. I had to take that personally because as a kid growing up with two sisters and we always played Spice Girls, I was always Sporty Spice, which was such a read. Like, I didn't get to pick the Spice Girls my sisters picked for me and they always told me I was Sporty Spice. So I was like, at what age did you realize I was gay? Yeah, exactly. That's so old. Like, I'm from the deep South America, you know, like all the things her mom just said. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard it all. Keep it coming. Yeah, I show up to the family dinners. I don't ever bring a boyfriend with me. They ask if I'm a lesbian and they giggle, but they're actually nervous. I'm going to say yes. Like Uh at this point, like I'm glad that I at least have grown enough to know like these statements have no more sting. And I hope that like generations now can like see through the like boomer bullshit that goes into why your mom would believe that you having a boyfriend is the number one goal. But it's old. I think for people like this came out in 2002. This is very much the way that people spoke at this time, because I remember people telling me some bullshit like this when I was younger. I think it's so funny that she mentions Sporty Spice like this offhandedly because Mel C, who is Sporty Spice, she has a name, Mel C, um, (laughs) actually wrote several songs for this film. Really? Yes. And here she is being slandered in the plot. I know. Uh, So back at the pitch is what I learned is a soccer field. Lizzie, I didn't know that was what that was called. The field. I love it. I I know. Should I just call it a soccer field? You know, there's like ESL, like English as a second language, but there's like England English as a second language, like E-E-S-L, because there's some British shit. I have no fucking clue. I have no fucking clue. Oh my God. I'm watching the Beatles documentary right now. I put on the subtitles. It didn't help. I still don't know what they're talking about. I have so many different examples in this film where I had to just pull it aside because I need you to tell me what this motherfucking means because I don't we know. We can speculate. Yeah, let's speculate. But back at the pitch, which is a soccer field, okay. we get a training montage. All of the, We get a bunch of montages in this film and they're all super homoerotic. Yes. And it's fantastic. And um, we see Jess and Jules interact in like a way that's like very, I wouldn't say charged, but they definitely have like a chemistry between them. Yeah. And this is where we get that infamous look from Kira Knightley. 
I'll send it to you now. Thank you. Dude, what is it about soccer that's so gay? Talk to me about the photo that I just sent you. Kira Knightley is just a gorgeous, wispy bitch. Okay, so she's obviously an Adidas girl. Adidas. Adidas. She's an Adidas. Is that a is that a is her belly button pierced? Zoom in. We're gonna enhance. Say, enhance. We're gonna say her belly button's pierced. She's in like this navy adidas sports bra and these cute little white soccer shorts that are slung low as the gods her belly button is pierced she has abs she has abs her whole entire life and but my favorite part is that this haircut she's rocking is held back by one of those like um like pokey triangle headbands, headbands. that were like so popular in the 2000s but yeah she's got her hands on her hips i don't know this reads gay to me yeah i've I had to show you this photo because I feel like every lesbian I've ever known has tried to look exactly like this <laughs> at some point in their life. Yes. Oh, my God. Uh, my mom sent me a picture of me. Actually, can I send you this picture real quick? My mom sent me a picture of me and my um, soccer friends from high school. Oh, my God. You better be looking like this, bitch. Girl, you wish. I was definitely trying, though. Oh, my God, Lizzie. <laughs> You're wearing Adidas. Adidas. I'm an Adidas girl. Oh, holy shit. So I'm looking at a picture of Lizzie. Oh my God. I'm going to keep this so, so dear and close to my heart. Um, Lizzie's got this beanie on. Oh my God, Lizzie. And your hair is straightened. You're wearing eyeliner yes. uh, to soccer practice, which I really commend your effort there. Show enough. <laughs> so back at the park, Jess is playing soccer with the guys. So she starts like joking around with the guys. One of the like shirtless guys like picks her up on his shoulders. And of course, this is when her mom sees mm. that she's out with boys and they're picking her up and she's wearing shorts. So like her mom takes her home. Scandal. And is so upset. And at home, Jess tells her mom that she's on a soccer team and her mom forbids her from playing soccer and says like, I don't want you running around half naked in front of men. Oh, mom. But you want me to get a boyfriend, don't you? I know. She, I don't think Jess has the ability to try to play that yeah. card. <laughs> Definitely not. That's a bummer. I know. So sad. But this doesn't stop Jess. She's back at the park and... Um, she is approached by Jules and she tells Jules, look, I, I can't play soccer anymore. My parents forbid me from playing soccer. And Jules says, my parents have never wanted me to play. You just can't take no for an answer. Which, I don't know. What does that read to you? I think it's a little entitled and privileged, but ultimately I think that Jess could glean like a, a lesson from that of like, if you do want to do this thing, you do have the power to fight back, like empowering her to express herself to her parents in a way that would show them like, this is very important to me if she hadn't yet done that already. But I do think being like, you can just do what you want. is like, yeah, because your parents are like a white lady who's not gonna like, who isn't thinking of arranging a marriage for you in the near future, you know? So that's what I think. Yeah. I feel this way when I see, and obviously this is not the subject matter they're discussing, but I feel this way when I see people online give um, closeted people of color the advice of like, just come out. Why don't you just come out? Your parents will like have to accept you. It's fine. Right. And as like a first generation American and a person who was like doled out the same advice when I was struggling in the closet, it's not that easy. Like, mm -mm. I think it's so different to be a white person in America and a white person in England where your family has lived there for centuries and you're, you've never been made to feel othered mm -hmm. to give someone the advice of like, just be yourself where it's like, just, yeah, yeah, it's just so easy. Why don't you just do it? And it's like, it, it's not that easy. It's very scary. And like my identity means so much to my parents. Like it's hard to put into words. And we'll see that like as the like tension mounts in this film that she's really have a pressure put on her by her like white peers to just come out with the truth mm -hmm. and be herself. And it's not something that she can even express to them how difficult it is. Right. Yeah. It's probably just as exhausting to try to explain if she even felt the need to explain herself to her white peers, like why it would be different, you know, while she's already just trying to juggle with the difficulty of 
the situation that she's in and trying to just be her authentic self with her parents. Okay, so I don't want to take too long on all this stuff. I have some notes, so I'm going to, if I speed through it, you can just like give me a wave if you want to say something, but I, I want to get through like some of it because we're already running. Okay, so Jules just tells Jess that uh, she could pretend to have a summer job and just continue going to practice, which she does. So she starts this like double life where she's telling her parents that she's going to work, but she's going to practice. And um, we got a lot of homoerotic montages in this span. So Jess and Jules go out on the town and they're vibing. It's like another montage. But I, the only reason I mention it is the song in the background is written and performed by Mel C. Mel Sporty C. Spice. Sporty Spice herself. I know. So many, she has so many like cameos in this movie. It's ridiculous. This is just like the first of those, but I love it. I think it's like a nice little touch. We'll take it. We'll always put a little spice on our life when we can. Yes. So at home, Jess's family. Okay. So while they were out shopping, they were meant to be buying these like dress shoes for Pinky's wedding and they get home and Pinky's like, oh, I want to see the shoes that you bought for my wedding. And she opens the bag and it's soccer cleats. So her parents are pissed. They're like, we thought you weren't playing soccer anymore. And she was like, I'm sorry, I just bought them. But like, I'll go take them back and I'll get dress shoes for the wedding. So at practice, Jules is like, you can't take back your soccer shoes. I'll just lend you a pair of like my mom's shoes for the wedding. So she goes over to Jules' house to get these like atrocious shoes. They're so fucking ugly, by the way. <laughs> and while she's there, she sees um, a picture of Jules like embracing Joe. Like it's like a very flirtatious kind of photo. Hmm. Like outside while they're like waiting for the bus, she asks Jules like, hey, would you, are you interested in Joe? Like, do you like him? And Jules is like, oh no, he couldn't date one of his soccer players. So like, I'm really not that interested in him. And they get into like a giggle fit and they are kind of like hanging on each other physically. And like, while they're like laughing, a car drives by and it's Pinky's fiance's mother. And she sees Jess and Jules like embracing. Mm -hmm. And she like almost stops the car. She's like sh so shocked. So when Jess makes it home, there's like a scene. There's like four different parents in front of her. It's Pinky's fiance's parents have come to tell her parents that they've seen her kissing a boy on the street. <gasps> they think Jules is a boy? They think Jules is a guy, yeah. I'm gagged. I know. I mean, Keira Knightley is pulling like a Leonardo DiCaprio fit this whole movie. So like, it's not unheard of, but... Jess is as surprised as we are. She's like, wait, time out. What is happening? No, no, and this is this is just a plot point left in from when the movie was fucking gay. Because, you know, at one point, this was like the mom driving by and being like, oh, my God, she's kissing a woman. Like, mm -hmm. I think they were very deliberate about casting Kira Knightley, a woman who blurs that androgynous line. Like, she sits right on that fucking masculine feminine line so well. Mm -hmm. Ooh. Ooh, that's a gag. I'm glad you mentioned that because this does really read as like a repurposed plot point uh, right? from a different kind of story. That's yeah, what I absolutely. thought you were going to say, that she saw these two girls hanging all over each other and was like, why was your daughter hanging all over this other woman? Dude, Jess is as shocked as everyone when she walks into the living room. She's like, she says the words, me kissing a boy? You're mad. Like, you're fucking crazy. She doesn't say you're fucking crazy, but she's like, you're, blo you're bloody mad. Like, she's not even concerned with, like, being caught hanging out with, like, another soccer player because that would, like, imply she's playing soccer. She's like, you think I'm kissing a boy? I would never be caught dead. I would <laughs> never do that. It's like that TikTok. I'm sorry. I just recently got back on TikTok, but it's like that TikTok that went around a while back that was like... If my sexual orientation was a choice, do you think I would choose men? <laughs> men? <laughs> it's very the vibe where like Jess is like, wait, I thought I was in trouble. I would never kiss a boy. <laughs> so Pinky's fiance's parents call off the engagement. Shut up. They storm out and Pinky is completely distressed. Like she's Aww. she's devastated and heartbroken. And Jess is still kind of confused. And she tells them like, that's just my friend. I guess she just has short hair. Like, I was not kissing a boy. So they don't and believe her. 
I think her parents believe her because, I mean, she's she's not like a great liar, but Pinky is so heartbroken yeah. that she spills the beans. <gasps> About the soccer? Yeah. She says, I bet she was with some dykey girl from her football <gasps> team. Oh my gosh. She says dykey? Yeah. <sighs> That's so mean and rude. Yeah. So Jess is back in this place where she's like, fuck, now they know I play soccer. I can't play soccer anymore. Right. So Damn. I know. So she hasn't been showing up to practices. Joe is like, oh, fuck. She's such a good player. I can't lose her for my team. So he comes to Jess's parents' house to oh, speak God. to her parents. How is this scene handled? I'm curious. I think culturally, I'm not um, an Indian person, but it seems like something that was handled very well. Um, oh, yeah. I forget that this is a uh, like directed by an Indian woman. I'm so used to watching characters of color written by white people that I'm like expecting for it to go horribly wrong. But this actually has a woman of color at the pen, probably mm -hmm. using her own experience in this situation. So pardon yeah. my like, wait, what? It actually goes well. But that's that's definitely where that's coming from. I'm conditioned to see like a white man's view of what would happen here. Yeah, it's a story about also a young woman who's and the film is directed by a woman, which also never happens. Right. It's like, Wait, this is so accurate and complex. What is going on? Yeah, we've never seen it before. <laughs> so uh, Joe comes over to speak to Jess's parents. They're not really receptive of the fact that he's a guy coaching a bunch of teenagers. Right. Also, he, he's like white, which they are not like the biggest fans of. Right. And he kind of, Joe comes into their house and is like, I don't want to barge in. I just want to make it very plain that like Jess is incredibly talented and I think she has a lot of potential. And if you don't let her play soccer, I think it's going to be a real shame. And so Jess's father tells Joe that back when he lived in Nairobi, he was an incredibly talented cricket player. Mm. And that as soon as he moved to England, he was like laughed off of every team and they wouldn't let him play with them. Mm. And he says, none of our boys are in the football teams like what makes you think they'll let our girls in mm. so yeah he's got some trauma some scars there too it's it's sad to see and joe is like respectful and he's like if those are your wishes like i'll leave mm -hmm. so they're playing like this the soccer team is playing like this really big match in germany and both jess and pinky have lied to their parents and have said they're going to like their cousin's house or something. And Pinky's going to go spend time with her ex-fiance. And Jess is going to go to Germany and play the soccer game. Wow. I, and they both, like the, the soccer game goes well, but they do lose. Mm -hmm. And that night they go to one of the gayest clubs I've ever seen. They also play a lot of Victoria Beckham in this movie, of which I love. At the nightclub, Jules pulls like Joe onto the dance floor. He really doesn't want to be dancing with Jules. He kind of looks like kind of sad about it. So as they're dancing, Joe pulls Jess onto the dance floor and we see this like dance start up and then we realize like, oh, this is a love triangle. Mm. Yeah. So they're having this like little love triangle dance thing that's kind of awkward and Jess's head gets like, she gets kind of dizzy and she goes outside and while she's outside, her and Joe get to chatting and they like lean in for a kiss <laughs> And right before they kiss, obviously, this is a movie. Jules enters. Enter Jules. And she she sees them about to kiss and she goes, you bitch. <gasps> Quirk. I know. She's pissed because apparently she had a thing for Joe. I mean, um, she did ask if she had a thing for Joe and she has said no. So unfair. But also, I love a good casual use of the word bitch. I know. Bitch. That's what you got it. It's bitch. like PG-13 rating. Wait, what's that? Oh, get away from her, you bitch. <laughs> yes, that's the best line in all of Harry Potter history. Yes. Uh, so Jess and Jules have a falling out. Everything is super awkward with Joe. <laughs> that poor guy. God, he's such an idiot. Poor dumbass. So they get home from Germany from losing this game. And she's Jess is expecting Picky to pick her up. And it's her parents who have found out that she's been lying. Oh, no. She's going to be I grounded know. forever. So now everybody's in terrible situations. Like, Jess can't play soccer. Everybody's mad at her. Jules is pissed at Jess. Jules is mad at Joe. And so we get these scenes back to back where, like, 
Jules is longingly looking at this photo of her and Joe like embracing and she's like in her bed like crying looking at this picture and we flash over to Jess who's looking at a picture of her and Jules. Totally straight. I know. This is like the straightest movie ever, right? Totally straight. You're just like, oh, I'm crying because I miss my good friend and platonic soccer partner, a woman named Jules. It's just, I mean, it's it seems so overtly gay, like they're gazing at these photos and it's like, seems very clear to me. But uh, back at the soccer pitch, Jess has come to tell Joe, like, I'm really off the team this time. My parents have super found out. And... He says another one of those things. He says, whose life are you living, Jess? And she's like, dude, I'm not going to like ruin my whole relationship. She doesn't say this, but it's very much like, you want me to throw away my whole family? Like, Yeah. All our traditions that have been going back way longer than the sport of soccer. Exactly. Like there's a lot of microaggressions in this film. And I like, this feels like one of them to me, but um, we get some more because Jules' mom is like semi-racist and semi-homophobic. It's like, she's not a bad person, we learn, but like, it's not great. So Jess comes over to Jules' house to apologize for the thing that happened with Joe. There's so many J names, ja, Jesus ja, ja, Christ. Ja, ja. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so Jess comes to Jules' house to apologize for making a move on Joe. And Jess says, I don't want you to be in a strop with me. And Jules says, I'm not in a strop. She gets mad and she like says it like that. What the fuck is a strop? Like a, like a, like don't get your panties in a bunch. Like my panties aren't bunched. So Jess and Jules get into this fight. They get into a strop. They get in, they get stroppy with each other. Ooh, yeah, they do. And uh, as Jules's mom is coming up with drinks for them, she can hear a conversation happening in the bedroom and she hears these bits and pieces and she's convinced that Jules and Jess are in a relationship. Yeah, because they are. So she like, <gasps> she like runs downstairs to her husband and she's like, I can't believe this. Like my daughter's a lesbian. It's like your worst nightmare is coming true. You're not going to have grandchildren, you boomer. <laughs> <laughs> so she's like, she's sat next to her husband and she's citing all these things. And she's like, I knew, I should have known she was a lesbian. She doesn't like to wear bras and she only wants to play sports. And Jules's dad is like really, really supportive of Jules. And <laughs> Jules's mom says one of the best lines, I think, in this whole movie. She goes, it's terrible what they did to that George Michael going on about all his business in the private papers. <laughs> and the dad says, George Michael is still a superstar and you still listen to Wham. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's fine. George Michael is totally fine. So Jess is kind of fucked at this point. All of her relationships are trash. She doesn't have soccer. And so she meets with her friend Tony at the park. So Tony, we've met before in this film and He's just a sweet Indian guy. He's really supportive of Jess and he's really been like her champion uh, in playing soccer and being herself. And so Jess is talking to Tony at the park and she just says outright like, Tony, do you fancy me? Because if you fancy me, you should just be my boyfriend. I need to date an Indian guy. Aw, will you be my beard, Tony? And Tony comes out. No! Tony's gay? I had a feeling Tony was gay. Tony was like, you know how you fancy Beckham? Like, I fancy him too. <gasps> and Jess is like, haha, yeah, he's great at soccer. And Tony's like, no, I like fancy him. I like want to smack his little ass with my hand. I know. And then Jess goes, but you're Indian. Like, she's like, you can't be gay. He says, like, look, I do fancy you. Like, I, I'm mad about you, but like, we can't get married. <laughs> Aww. Oh, God. That's like a whole nother movie. If we do the Bennett Like Beckham 2, Tony gets like a major character upgrade. Yeah, absolutely. After this, Jess pretends to be sick. And while her family is out, she goes and plays another soccer game. And her dad comes back expecting to like find her at home sick and she's not there. So he goes to the soccer pitch and he watches her play with her team and she's doing a great job. And this is kind of like a moment for him where he's like, wow. She's so good at this. Like, why am I stopping her from being who she is? And as she's playing, as Jess is playing with the team, she gets fouled and pushed to the ground. And 
as she's on the ground, the, the player from the other team calls her a slur. <gasps> oh, my God. Jess obviously gets, like, really upset. And so the ref flags Jess for violence and kicks her what? out of the game. Yeah. Fuck that. So after the game, Joe, in front of everyone, screams at Jess and is like, you know better than that. You shouldn't have got kicked out for that. So Jess is not having that. She like, she walks out of the locker room. She goes to Joe and she's like, how dare you call me out for that? And he was like, well, you know better for getting kicked out of a game. And she was like, it wasn't because she fouled me. She called me a slur. Oh, so he didn't hear it? He hadn't heard it. And so she says to him, like, I guess you wouldn't know what that feels like, would you? Work. God, this movie is way more badass than I remember. Wait. And then he says... I'm Irish. Of course I know what that feels like. It's not the no, same. Not cool, Joe. Bad Joe. It's not the same, baby. It's, it's absolutely not, it's, not the we're same. We're not here, like, putting weights on a little scale to see, like, who's the most oppressed here. It's like... But it's not him. Shut the fuck up. It's not you. It's not you, baby. It is not you, Joe. And this is not your... This is not the moment for you to be like, I know what you're feeling. It's like, this is an obligation, a, an obligatory line. He has to say this for English audiences. He literally has to. I just want to be so plain and crystal about Joe, the motherfucker, because I don't like him. But anyone thinks about it for a second, and I'm sure this actor didn't like saying this line, but it's like, you're playing soccer, right? You're not debating people. They can't hear your Irish accent. So if someone throws you to the ground and you look like every other motherfucker playing soccer, do right. you really think they're going to they're gonna say a racial slur at you? No, right. they're not. Yeah. You look like every other motherfucking white person walking the streets of London or Brighton or wherever the fuck they are. Exactly. Like, you don't understand what it's like to be Jess. No. That is not the same thing. So at no. this point, character assassination, I hate Joe. Bye, Joe. But so Joe grabs Jess to like comfort her. And of course, that's when the dad walks in because it's a movie. <gasps> so he's convinced that this they like have a relationship and all this stuff. And so he's super pissed and they go home and Jess is convinced that like her dad is going to spill the beans. But when they walk into the living room, Pinky's fiance's parents are back. And they've reinstated the engagement. So everybody's like celebrating. They're like, look over there. Exactly. Jade <laughs> Essence Hall. Look over there. <laughs> These straight people over there. Don't look at me. Look over there. <laughs> yeah. So fortunately, Jess's dad doesn't spill the beans and everybody's happy because Pinky's getting married again. The day of the final match, there's supposed to be a soccer scout to watch Jess and Jules. But that day now is the day of Pinky's wedding. Because it's of a movie. Of course, because it's a movie. She's like at peace with the fact that she needs to be at her sister's wedding. And so we have these like simultaneous things happening in time where like we see Pinky's wedding and we see the soccer game and they're back mm. to back. So after Pinky's wedding ceremony, Tony pulls Jess out of the hall and he goes, it's halftime. If we leave right now, we can make it. Hmm. And Jess is like, I can't leave my sister's wedding. And they're having this like exchange. And Jess's dad walks up and he goes, I haven't seen you smile this whole time. He's like, if, if going and playing this game would put a smile on your face, I want you to go. Aw, that's a nice change of heart. It's so sweet. So Jess and Tony get to the soccer game. They kick all kinds of ass. And they win. Hell Yeah. Everything is like turning up roses at this point. So after the game, a scout comes and um, he's talking to Jess and Jules. We see them from a distance. So it's Jules' parents watching Jess and Jules get this like great news from a scout. And the scout walks away and Jess and Jules embrace like celebratorily and they kiss. No. Yeah. Are you just making up the plot of this movie to tell me the things I want to hear? But like the way it's shot, it looks like it's an accident. Like they go to hug and they kind of, their faces kind of like hit each other. <sighs> yes. Of course we can't be they happy just... though because Jules' parents are watching and they're like, oh, she's a lesbian. Yeah. So why? Get the fuck over it. I know. So later on, um, Jules' mom takes Jules to Pinky's wedding and Jules gets out of the car, embraces Jess. And she says like, oh, you look gorgeous. And, and they're like hugging, and then this happens. I'm gonna play the scene for you. Mom, let me 
here with your lot when I know you've been kissing my daughter in broad daylight. Hmm? Get your lesbian feet out of my shoes. Lesbian? Her birthday's in March. I thought she was a Pisces. Haha, she no Lebanese. She Punjabi. Do you mind, yeah? But this just happens to be my wedding. Get your wow. lesbian feet out of my shoes. <laughs> I Thought love that. Okay, can you just can you describe that scene a little bit? So this is like after the wedding procession, all the wedding guests are filing out of wherever the ceremony took place, and Jules runs up and gives Jess like a little squeeze and a, oh you look beautiful. And hot on her heels is her mother, looking wound as absolute all hell, and she kind of approaches the couple and starts fussing at Jess pretty openly about how dare you kiss my daughter and all this inappropriate stuff. And she looks down at her feet and sees her own shoes that I guess she didn't realize her daughter let her borrow. And is like, get your lesbian feet out of my shoes. That's just hilarious and weird and sad that like you're going to get like gay germs all over yourself <laughs> by like sharing shoes with someone who's queer. But like also in this situation, they're not sure they're not it's really funny and sad and luckily pinky comes to jess's defense and kind of like pulls her away yeah what a highly inappropriate thing to do like the stakes are so high for her to basically out this young woman in front of her entire family of family and friends like not cool even if you are upset not cool yeah and so like to the credit of Jules's mother, we see in like various scenes before this, like she's trying to make peace with the fact that her daughter's a lesbian and she's making like conscious efforts to be okay with it. And I think that it all just came to a head when she saw them like kiss, accidentally kiss in front of this like soccer scout and she starts to unravel. So when she sees like Jules embrace Jess at this wedding, she like loses it. So she's like, I can be cool with my daughter being gay as long as I don't have to see her being gay ever. Yeah. So like in the car, like Jules pulls Jess into the car after this and um, is like, mom, just because I wear trackies and play sports, it doesn't mean that I'm a lesbian. And her mom is like, oh, I mean, not that I would have a problem with it. You literally just said you have a problem with it. Like you don't want this woman's feet in your shoes because her queer germs might get all over them. Like. No. I don't believe it for a second. If It reminds me somewhat of like when I came out to my parents, they were super upset, but they, it's only because it's not what they understood. But, you know, once we had those difficult conversations, they couldn't really place their finger on why they would be upset about it. Right. They're just like, I just know it is upsetting, but I don't know why I'm upset. I know what you yeah. mean now. They've like, they, these are people who haven't done the work yet. Yeah, the programming is still, they're still on autopilot with the programming. Exactly. So back at Jess's house, she's in turmoil, not from what just happened. She's got a lot going on, but because this scout from uh, a uni American university has offered her like a full ride to come and play soccer. Oh my God, Illyria? <laughs> at Cornwall in Illyria. <laughs> <laughs> and so... She's so distraught. She's like, this is everything I've ever wanted, but obviously I have to turn it down. My parents won't let me go to university if I'm not married. And so Tony grabs her hand, walks into the living room, and in front of both of their parents says, like, if I have your blessing, I would love to marry Jess. And my only condition is that you let her go to school wherever she wants. Like, Tony is like the secret little angel of this whole film. I could literally cry. I know. He's he's so incredibly sweet. And it's just like this moment of just like pure sweetness. And, um, and, you know, this is like the man that she wished for, too, at the very beginning. Like, I just hope that if I get married, I can have a man who will let me play soccer. Like, this is her dream man. Yeah, it really is. Like, this is, you Aww. know... <laughs> Not so long ago, however many months it was at the beginning of this film, this was like her best case scenario. Yeah. So... Everybody's celebrating, all the elders are celebrating, and Jess is like, I can't do this. Like, we can't be engaged. And she basically tells her parents, like, 
dad let me play the final match and I got a full ride scholarship to an American university and I would really like to go. And everybody's super upset. And Jess's father just has like a very quiet moment where he's like, when I was not allowed to come and play cricket with everyone else, like I vowed that I would never play that game again. And he was like, but I saw you today and I don't think anyone has the right to stop you from playing. And he said, he says something so sweet. He goes, two of my daughters made happiest on one day. What else can a father ask for? Oh my God. This is like the closest to crying I've ever been in an episode. I know. It's so fucking sweet. And Jess's mom says, I've taught her how to make a full Indian dinner. The rest is up to God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so they give their blessing. They do. Yeah. Yeah. So both parents are ready to send uh, Jules and Jess off to America. They're at the airport. I know. And they're all being so supportive and so sweet. And um, there's like a commotion in the airport. Everyone's like snapping pictures. They turn around. It's David Beckham. David Beckham. The other, other Spice Girl. (laughs) And he's with Victoria Beckham. Oh, my God. And and they're just like walking through this corridor in the airport and everybody's losing their shit. Of course. Tony's like starstruck because he like loves David Beckham as well. And he's like, it's a good omen. Hell yeah, it is. Yeah. And then um, they get on the plane. And before the credits roll, we see Jess's dad playing cricket (laughs) with all his Indian friends and Joe. And Joe. And Joe. Joe's there. (laughs) Wow. So how how do you feel about this? This movie is way better than I remember. Way more complex, way more delicately handled, and way more gay. Like, way, way more gay. Like, canonically and, like, overtly subtextually gay. I can't... I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. I'm, got She's the Man under my belt. Bending like Beckham. Here we go. Yeah, it's on HBO Max. Oh, great. I have that. Free stream. Yeah, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about how this film was received because just the backstory on this film is so interesting, but... This film was a surprise, critical, and commercial success. With a budget of $6 million, it went on to grow $76.6 million. Holy fuck. I know. Okay. In 2002. This is like a consistent statistic that we pull up on these movies that are like just gay enough to pass to a mainstream audience. Like when are fucking filmmakers going to realize that if you make movies that just address that marginalized audiences exist and consume media and want to see stories, you'll put butts in seats. It's, it's a, everyone wins. Those people get representation. Everyone gets the story they want to hear and you make money. You don't have to give up your capitalist views to just like make something that other people want to see. Like they're like, huh, I can't believe the birdcage made so much money. Like, huh, I can't believe all these gay movies make so much money. It's like, yeah. People want to watch them. Imagine that. It's not a surprise. Yeah. A a person of color who is a woman can lead a film about sports. And not just that, Parminda Nagra, who plays Jess, over all of the soccer players, won the 2002 FIFA's Football Personality of the Year Award. She's the first woman to ever win that award. Oh, my God. It's so lovely because, like, yes, she's the first woman to win that award. She's not a soccer player. And she beat David Beckham. Like, he didn't win. I think it's David. I think it's sweet that David Beckham was in this movie because I'm sure he knew what it was about. He read the script or at least his manager did, you know? I mean, they let him use his name in the fucking title. You have to get permission to use that. Yeah, there was some pressure for the um, production to change the name. But Chadha was like, no, we're keeping Beckham. And um, this movie, like I said, was a huge success. It spun off like a musical that was performed on the West End. So there's like, yeah, in 2015, there was like a musical version of this. That's the only way you can make this movie better is by making it a musical. And then also my last little tidbit of trivia is that this is the first Western film that was allowed to be shown in North Korea. Huh. I know. Maybe it was like a heavy edit, but... Still. Fucking fascinating. Let's score this drop. <laughs> um, so as a person who hasn't seen this film in quite some time, what would you give it on a score of 1 to 10? On my own internal 
rating system, I'd give it an eight. An easy eight. You're stealing from me. Okay, I'll give it uh I'll give it an eight and a half. Okay. Okay, how gay would you say this movie is? Girl, I'm gonna go with like nine only because I know when they both go to an American college that they're gonna come out. As soon as they leave their households, they're gonna come out, but they haven't come out yet. But I'm gonna say a nine. Yeah. I feel like for not confirming that any of the main characters were actually gay, they deal with coming out, they deal with being closeted. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna give it a seven. Okay. Okay, so eight plus eight point five plus it's got an eight point one two five subtextual score. An eight? Can we just say an eight? An eight and no. one sixteenth. <laughs> if we have to rank them ever, like this might be the inch that tips the scale. But it's like I put these ratings on Letterbox and I can't give it an five <laughs> stars and it stresses me out. Okay, round up. To an 8.5? I still can't give it an 8.5. Okay, you could give it an 8. Damn. All right. Damn, Virgos. <laughs> All right, Sam, what'd you learn? What'd you learn in this movie? I learned so many things in this movie. I learned that you could basically slander Mel C, a.k.a. Sporty Spice, and she'll still write like five songs for your soundtrack. Oh my God, I'm gonna get her to perform at my wedding. Oh, you absolutely can. What did you learn? I learned... Wait, what's that line? It's... Soccer is the world's greatest sport. (laughs) You can't make this episode about she's the man. You can't tell me what to do. Subtextual is hosted by Lizzie Guitro and Sam De La Fuente. Produced and engineered by Lee Garcia. Edited by Lizzie. Music by DJ No.